Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. There were plenty of guys that had plenty to prove this particular weekend, but you could really make the argument that nobody busted through and silenced the critics more than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Zubin. (laughs) I was right until yesterday. I was right until yesterday. I told you, man. Don't worry about that 0-2 start. That's not... That doesn't mean anything. Such a big sample size, Key, you know, 0-2. Yeah, two. two years, 0-2. Hey, I would just tell you he was the unanimous MVP, won a dozen straight games. It would be nice to win a playoff game at home. But, hey, he silenced me yesterday. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, all of our guests on the Goodyear hotline. The You're rate- unbelievable, man. The, <laughs> fact, the fact that you think that a guy who goes 0-2, who basically took over his rookie year midway, led him to a playoff, then double back a year ago, becomes the MVP, led him to the playoffs, that all this pressure to win one more playoff game in three years was going to – some dudes didn't even make it to the playoffs. And, and, you know, you think about some of the great quarterback, Peyton Manning, going to the Hall of Fame. He'll be enshrined uh, uh, next season uh, during the preseason in Canton. He'll walk right in those doors. Guess what he was, Zubin? He was 0-3. His first three key. tries. It's the media key. It's His media. first three tries, he was 0-3. Two Let- Super Bowls later, three appearances in a Super Bowl, multiple records, MVP trophies, MVP this, commercials that, offers to do TV this, walking in this, to, to, to Canton. Remember though, Zubin. I will tell you. Zubin. Get listen, him, Zubin. Now listen, here's the thing I would say. I totally concur with you. I was just stating a fact. I was in no way saying he's not a great quarterback. And here I'll even double down and give you something you haven't mentioned this morning. When Aikman started, he was 1-15 in 15 his rookie year. Obviously yes. ended up winning three Super Bowls. Yeah. The one thing I'll give Lamar credit for, and, I don't, and again, I like Lamar. I don't want this to turn into I don't like him. But the no, one no, thing, you, no, no one ever said that. You don't have to worry about that. We got you protected on this show. But the one thing I would tell you that I don't think he gets enough credit for is when he came in, the guy he replaced, it was a total 180. They had given up on Joe Flacco, even though he had won the Super Bowl. He's obviously a guy that's a statue back there with Flacco. And he had to come in when they decided to make the move and essentially say, we're going to have to run a completely different offense because Lamar's skill set is so different from Flacco. And he picked it up immediately. And then the next full season became the league's only second unanimous MVP in that 101-year history of the NFL, only he and Tom Brady have been unanimous MVP. So, Key, to your point, I think it's great. They got Buffalo coming up on Saturday. But one thing I don't think he gets enough credit for is that he had to play a completely different style, adjust on the fly with the personnel that had been built for Flacco, and really succeed. I don't think that gets talked about enough. Well, I think it, it goes, it speaks to Greg Roman and in, 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 uh, John Harbaugh, or Jim, or John, John, uh, John that when you look at what you have as a player, you now got to design a scheme around that player opposed to trying to get him to fit the scheme that you ran in the past. They went out and signed Mark Ingram. They drafted Dobbins. They went out and got Hollywood Brown. They brought in Snead. Uh, so when you start to, to look at it, it made all the sense of the world. I mean, they saw at Louisville what he was, that he was a dynamic playmaker with the football in his hands. Now, Show me the money time in a minute. That's what I want to know. <laughs> hey, Key, that's why I go back what, to your question, Key. What are you going to pay him? Exactly. You said, you know, on our – I forget what hour it was because we talked so damn much. But <laughs> I was saying – you said Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, or Lamar Jackson. Out of those three, who would be the highest-paid quarterback? It has to be Lamar Jackson. 
I mean, the, the reigning MVP, uh, the guy that obviously played exceptionally well. And I, I know throughout the course of the year, he was a little bit disgruntled at times, said some things that maybe he should not have said. And we talked about his youth and maturity. But from an athletic perspective and from a skill set perspective, uh, he's not the, the traditional quarterback like a Josh Allen uh, or like a Baker Mayfield. But still, man, those pieces, that, that can electrify a team. That can elevate a team to a different level. They have a legitimate shot at getting to the Super Bowl. It doesn't really, in my opinion, to be honest with you, Jay, it doesn't matter how you're getting it done. You're getting it done. I done. know people, you say traditional way. I know people go crazy with thinking that everybody has to do it the way Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or, or some of these pocket-type quarterbacks are doing it. No, you don't. As I, as I always pose to people when they start talking, and they talk about, well, he threw for, you know, he threw for 375 and three touchdowns. But if I get that 375 in total yardage, both in the air and on the ground by Lamar, in those three touchdowns and we get the W, what the hell difference does it make? Same thing. Same thing. Yep. I'm with you. Right around Thanksgiving, people were giving up on the Ravens. They had lost to a bad Pats team. They had lost to the Titans. Obviously, they avenged the victory yesterday with the field stomp. And then they had lost to a Steelers team, which at that time was right about to hit the skids. They were 6-5 and five and then rallied off five in a row, won Lamar's first playoff game, and are now one game away from the AFC title game. They'll have to get past Buffalo on Saturday. But the weekend can wait for the NFL. College football is about to crown a national champion tonight. Question is, who's going all the way tonight? Who will raise the trophy? Find out tonight the College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T. Coverage begins at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, ESPN television, Megacast, so many different ways to watch. Jimbo Fisher, head coach of Texas A&M, joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline to break down the game. And Jimbo, for fans that may not be aware, because there's been so much travel done, you going from Florida State to Texas A&M and Saban's travels, you guys connected at LSU when he was the head coach. You were the OC. You won a national championship together. And now Saban's on the brink of another. Just in totality, Coach, this is his 14th year at Alabama, and this is the eighth time he's in the national championship game. Knowing him the way that you do, Give us some insight into this guy. Well, I mean, I think he's a very driven guy. He's a very attention-to-detail guy. And you, got, and, and you think about Nick, it goes back to the way you're brought up. See, the other thing is he and I were born 12 miles. We were raised in the same area, 12 miles apart from each other. And what you don't understand about those people, West Virginia, and it was poor coal mining towns. He, he where his dad had a gas station, people like that. There wasn't a lot to do. So your work, who you, what you did and how you did things, and that culture, there was a very tough, driven culture of detail work, manual work, family, everything like that. Nick, and you're, as a man, you were provi- you, as you provided for your family, that was one of the main things in that area that you were, your respect you got from the area people. He saw his dad do that. I saw my dad do that. But what Nick is, he's very attention, he's very driven, and he loves coaching ball. And he's got the formula, you know, he's gotten it down, and more importantly, he's gotten players. He's been able to get the things, and Alabama's given the resources. But at the end of the day, you still got to have the attention, the detail, and the drive and the psychological disposition to get inside other kids' head to make them not get complacent and want more. And he's done that. Jimbo, coach, are you ready to go? Because I'm, I'm worried about your hamstring. Are you ready to go if I put you in the lineup? <laughs> hey, I told, hey, I told our linebacker, buddy, he just dropped two rounds in the draft because he couldn't catch a 55-year-old guy and I shook him twice. <laughs> I said, ain't nobody going to draft him, man. How's it was that? a slight pull. Just up, it was up high, Keyshawn. I, can do it one, I can't do it twice, but I did it one time. <laughs> yeah, well, that that that's good. At least you back healthy and, and and out there running around. 
Without a doubt. That was fun, though. It was a great year for us, man. It was fun. You you had an opportunity to play Alabama early in the season. Mm-hmm. Outside the obvious, what makes them difficult to slow down on offense? I'm going to be honest. They're, they're so balanced. I think this is the best way. They, they still RPO you, but they line up and truly run the football. And I'm going to tell you, the, they're receivers, and we played them with water. See, when water was completely healthy, which is a different animal. I mean, Smith is unbelievable. What a player he is. I mean, I'm going to tell you the thing about Devontae that's so unique. They're intelligent. They're very well coached. But those kids, Smith is one of the most intelligent football players I've been around. How he runs routes, how he, how he changes speeds, how he sets things up. He's like a scorer in basketball. He doesn't always blow by you. He can stop, start, get angles, understands leverage, and then he can run away from you. And then Wada was so daggone explosive. But their offensive line, too, now, Keyshawn, let me tell you something now. They – you sit back there and have a cup of coffee and throw the deep, and then let those guys run down the field and throw a deep ball. It's hard on them. But then Najee Harris, and then the tight ends. They're so you, they have five weapons across the board. All the receivers, the tight end, and the back. And the quarterback is a tremendous decision maker, very accurate down the field. But the and the but the offensive line is the unsung hero of that team, in my opinion. Jimbo, you know when you obviously look at this team, if they win it tonight, do you think this is the best team Nick Saban's ever had? Well, you, 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 get, you say that because you're so caught up in the explosion of offensive points now mm-hmm. and the way the game's played, and it's just changed over the years. It's one of the best. Listen, to say you're the best is very uh, – it, it's, it's, it's such an opinion thing. And the matchups, you know this, and, and like boxing or anything, there's certain matchups that certain people get to that can hinder them. They've had some tremendous defensive football teams in that thing too. With, if they would have opened up offense and had the same mentality, probably could have had very similar results but didn't. But arguably, yes, because the numbers are going to say so. But I think you've got to be careful how you look at numbers when you're judging the greatest because it's, the numbers are always going to grow as you, as you get older. I mean, as, you, as the game moves on, it's always going to get better just the way it is, like the NBA now, how you score and the rules change and things like that. But I just I, I look at things that there's, it's one of them. I don't know if it's the best. I really don't. I don't mean to knock it because it's so explosive because they gave up some things defensively throughout the year at times. Hmm. Let's talk about numbers for a second. Do you believe to the way that Ohio State got into the CFP, do you believe that validates the way the committee has qualified teams getting into the college football playoffs? I mean, you, you, that's, that's so argumentative. And there, there was a lot there that for Ohio State that they couldn't control because of their league. And I get it. But I'm going to tell you what, this could play into an advantage for them. And you'll know, Keyshawn, you'll know this from playing in basketball like you, Jay. You hit your stride in the middle of the year. Uh-huh. They're really in the middle of their year right now. Alabama's probably put about everything on film that they can put on. Iowa State hasn't. They're just finding out who they are and getting tested. So there's a lot of offense and things and probably defensive schematic things that they're just figuring out about their team that Alabama figured out a long time ago and already put on film. But but to say that, Jay, it, it is, that's a very tough thing, man. To only play six games, no, I'm not saying they're not one of the best teams, but, it, but this year is so rare. I mean, you can't take it away from them. They played a great game at Clemson. They're awesome. And the rules are the rules, and we were in such a time of no one knew what was going to happen, how it happened. So, listen, they're there. They're justified. they got a great team, and I really think they got a shot to win it, too. I really do. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M head football coach, joining us on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Now, Coach, I'm saying this. You are not. 
I don't think Notre Dame deserved to be in the Final Four. I think you deserve to be in the Final Four with one loss to the number one team in the country. That would be Alabama that you went down to. When you look at it now, do you think the college football playoff committee needs to expand? I definitely do. Because it's, there's too many. Here's the other thing. I think it helps the bowl games. I think it helps the opt-outs where kids are now playing for a championship. It keeps your great players in college football playing and, and with a chance to win a national championship. And you get more parity throughout the deal and you really find out who the champion is. Because in my opinion, I don't mean this, the game, I, the playing in the Orange Bowl, and if you're not in it, though, we've, I'm a traditionalist. I never thought I would ever say that. But I do think you have to – I'll be honest with you. I like it better with two than I do with four. That's my opinion. I, and I think with two, or it's got to go eight to 12, in my opinion, to really find it out. And I think you'll create tons of interest, make the bowl games and the playoff games. You'll keep the great players keep playing because they're playing for championships. And I think it'll help the game of college football in the long run. And you'll, you know, there's always going to be somebody left out. But if you get down to eight to 12, you're, you're definitely getting the best teams. And there may be one out. But when you're arguing that far down, it's hard to have an argument like it is at four, in my opinion. But Jim, I definitely why, do. Why, why wouldn't they do that this year, football. though? Why wouldn't they do that this year? You seem like, you know, in, in a year where everything was up in the air, there were so many questions about COVID protocols, how that would change from conference to conference. Wouldn't this be the year to do that, to trial something like that? I, I think it would, but I think there was so much change, Jay. They didn't want, they were scared that this was going to force them into something they wanted to think through, in my opinion. I mean, if this drastic of a change, and then you do that to change the whole thing, because we understand that once you change something, it's never going back. Once you change something, there is no ever going back. And I think it, 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 was too much, it was too much pressure on them to do it in a year. Like, I think it's exactly why they didn't do it. Because then they say next year, man, we made a mistake and just panicked over because of the pandemic and because of all the issues that went on that we did that. And I think it's exactly why they didn't do it, Jay, in my opinion. Because once you know this, once, it's out, once ever something's out of the box, you can never put it back in. That's and it would have grown. So I, I think that's the reason. They, they, they were too scared to do it, in my opinion. That's a great point you bring up. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And they could always, I'm not saying they're not genuine, Coach, but I agree with you. They could always hide behind the excuse of, well, this is about the last year in recorded history where we need more college football games, right? We don't want to expand yeah. it because that would incite more uh, frustration from a lot of people. I'll lastly say this to you, man. There are 99.9% of teams in America that if they ended their season with one loss and won the Orange Bowl, they would be thrilled. The standards at A&M, <laughs> you guys weren't thrilled by that sort of finish, says everything about what you're building there. It's great to have you here this morning. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Jim. Right, get, Thank get some ice on that leg now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm good to go, man. I, it, was a, it was a quick – I'm a quick healer, Keyshawn. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Hey, Zubin. Thank yeah, you. Have a great day. Zubin, too, I, could, I could teach you how to put the toothpaste back in the tube if you want to save some. <laughs> okay. It's a sports cliche, sports center guy. I got something for you here for attention to detail, though, that I think you would both really appreciate. I think you would both really appreciate this. So, John Anderson, my colleague on Sports Center, told me a story about Saban. And maybe, Key, this will be interesting for you since you played the wide receiver position, or Jay, the way you angle in the NBA. He was running um, an assignment at ESPN. He was working on the track and field championships, NCAA track and field championships. John was a uh, track and field athlete at the University of Missouri. And he was at a baseball game. And he ran into Nick Saban. Saban was just sort of there. And he came over, introduced himself, and said, hey, how you doing? They shook hands back in the day when we could shake hands with each other pre-pandemic. And he said, what are you here doing, coach? Listen to this, Key. He said he was watching shortstops in third baseman 
watching their hips, how they moved to line drives, left, right, toes, foots, where they would go, the angles they were taking because he thought he could take that and as you know, he's a defensive backs coach by at heart. He's a defensive guy. He could take those tendencies he saw from baseball players on the diamond, take them to the Alabama football practice field, and ask his DBs to work the way those shortstops do when the ball comes screaming off the bat. Never thought of it. Anderson was blown away by it. But Keith, that's the level of detail he's thinking about. How can a baseball shortstop help my secondary? Well, I mean, you got to turn and run. You got to plant and drive. All of those sort of things is is like basketball. I mean, baseball and football, you could correlate them in the same. I mean, that's just outfielders. You have to turn and run uh, to get underneath fly balls. You know, all of those sort of things. So I could see where he would do some research, you know, and on top of that, probably was bored. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love the fact that you just answered that question with a straight face, Key. More importantly, level of what detail. What you mean? How the hell do you put toothpaste back in the toothpaste? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I- I can show Let's you get how back to-, to that. I can show you how to do it, especially growing up the way I grew up. And when you are not trying to, you know, that toothpaste get the drop and you don't want to lose it. Uh-huh. I can show you how to put it back in there. <laughs> I'm sure can. I'm sorry, Zoo, but I can't with kids. Sometimes. No worries. No worries. <laughs> or um, you can cut it open with a scissors on the side. You know, you got the, the two, you cut it open, and then you just open it like that and stuff it back in. It's not hard, Jay. Hey, it's, it's DIY on KJZ. DIY on KJZ. We're... <laughs> How about this? I'm about to cry, man. And Jay, there could be tears of joy tonight for Alabama or Ohio State. I know you're kind of closely linked uh, to the Ohio State University. Man, of course. you didn't go to Ohio State. Well, no, no, the My mom and dad did. Oh, Damn, okay. Why you didn't go to Ohio State? I never got offered. Oh, okay, got offered. Uh-huh. I know what the you know offering you're talking uh-huh. about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, break down tonight's game. I mean, we've been talking about this the entire, as Key would say, truncated season, and now we're here to the final game. What do you think tonight, Jay? I just, I, you know, I, I wonder how Justin Fields is going to be. You know, whether that's, you know, that hit pointer, that throwing motion, seeing him ride on the bike, that's the lasting image I had of him. Now, him battling through that I think was important, but I don't, I don't know, you know, Watching Drew Brees and how he dealt with the, the fractured ribs and, you know, a hit pointer like that for a guy like Justin Fields, and there's so much on the line. I think he's a guy that thrives in the lights. Uh, and Chris Olave and company, they have the wide receivers to go out and be special. I just wonder if he's fully healthy and how that will play into the game. Yeah, I, you know, his whatever injury it is that he has, I would hope that he would be okay to play and, and just not going out there to try to be – a hero in this situation, which I think the medical staff at Ohio State, uh, you know, has checked everything out the way that it needs to be. On top of that, they they can make some hay on Alabama's defense. Alabama's defense is not as great as it was in the past. Still a solid defense, but the traditional Nick Saban's defenses, this is not one that's on par with that. And Justin Fields and, and Chris Olave, much like uh, Jay Will was talking about, they could certainly – do some stuff and put some points on the board. The problem is going to be that other side. Shine way that corner for Ohio State. Could be a scapegoat in this situation. I saw what Clemson was able to do to that young man. And I'm sure Steve Sarkeesian has studied enough film prior to headed, heading to Texas after this game tonight that Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell or Najee Davenport and anybody else that want to come off the bench 
they can pick their poison with that kid. Key, let me ask you this finally when you think about it. These two teams met in the first college football playoff. They met in the semifinal round, and here they'll meet tonight in the most recent college football playoff in the championship round. It's all predictable here again. It's not Alabama-Clemson. It's Alabama-Ohio State. Um, I'm not saying it's the level of fatigue as Alabama and Clemson, but does the sport have something to worry about here? No, absolutely not. Not at all. Uh, Ohio State is a legit contender. We saw that, obviously, last week after the complaining of a shortened, you know, only six games to get into it. But, hey, in the end, Alabama's well-rested. Ohio State's well-rested. I think we see, like, who do you want to see? This is why Steve Sarkeesian was hired by Texas, to get Texas back on top. We saw Oklahoma over the last couple years, what that looked like. We saw Notre Dame. We saw what that looks like. I mean, who do you want? Michigan can't get out of their own way. Wisconsin, that doesn't mean anything. Penn State can't figure it out. Florida State's still a dog. Miami's trying to get going again. USC can't figure it out. Washington, we saw that. We saw Oregon. Like, these are the teams. Tennessee can't figure it out. So I could go on and on and on about different teams in college football. These are the two best teams. That's why they're the two best standing. And you know what, Zubin? I would actually take it the other way. I I know that it can become a little bit uh, of a burden for people when you constantly see the same teams over and over again. But I'll I'll say this. I enjoy watching dynasties. Because, you know, look, key play for USC when they were at the top of their game, obviously played for Duke. You know, you understand that people love to hate when they see you winning at that clip. They they love to hate that, right? Man, it's fascinating to see Alabama, Jay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you know how you say dynasties. It's not – they're not doing it with the same guys year in and year out. This is a different – they wasn't there last year. This is a different quarterback. Najee Harris was splitting time in the backfield. He's the long ranger now. Devontae Smith and, and, and there was Jerry Judy's and Henry Ruggs's. This is a different team, a totally different team. Same thing at Ohio State. Those are, those are different players. There's no Bosa's. Over there, Ezekiel Elliott isn't playing for them. This is this is not pro football or pro basketball. This is college, and that's There's the thing too. Zubin, coming like, in and out. Think about think about Kentucky basketball this year. I mean, it, it's like they've had a down. Like it's hard to maintain that when you're actually constantly bringing in recruits. Key. 24-7, new people were taking on Mac Jones, the company. So there's a level of appreciation that I have watching Nick Saban do it at that level each and every year. It's a great point. Ole Miss moved it on him, as Key said. Florida moved it on to most recently to the tune of 46 points. We will see if Ohio State can look at any of that tape to see what the lane train did, to see what Florida did, and if they can move it on Alabama tonight. Otherwise, it's another national championship for Saban, putting him further into the history. Just let me know what toothpaste you want, man. I'll get you some. (laughs) Crest Extra Whitening. It's a great sponsorship opportunity for somebody if they want it. It's right there, dangling it right there. On the way, going from... Kelly Green to Gang Green, not too long after winning a Super Bowl and being forced out? We'll explain next on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. Breaking news, the Chargers have fired coach Anthony Lynn after four seasons. The Texans, the Falcons, and the Lions had all fired their coaches, and the Jets fired Adam Gase. The Jags dismissed coach Doug Marone. The current amount of head coaching vacancies is now six. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com Keyshawn, j will and zubin the podcast key i know you played in the age of the huge font headline back pages tabloids i gotta tell you this before we talk about what could be going on with doug peterson here and the eagles uh, as he's set to meet with ownership again, and they're not exactly sure if they're going to bring him back. Do you remember, like, the best Keyshawn back page headline? Uh, Mishan or something, which made me laugh. It was hilarious <laughs> because they didn't know me. They just talking, writing headlines. That's all. Or, or, or one, it was a funny one, where I got traded from the Jets, and um, the headline said, Mishan takes the money and run. <laughs> And they got me kind of like going out of the door of the Weeb uh, Bank Center in Hostra. And I'm like leaving and they go, I'm taking the money and running. I'm like walking out of a normal practice session. And so those, those kind of headlines are funny. The reason I bring that up, and by the way, greatest New York Post headline of all time. You guys will appreciate this one because the Philadelphia Daily News really did one in on Peterson here in a second. You, want, you ready for this one? Do you guys remember this one? After Tiger had his affair and all that Uh-oh, stuff, right. he's on the front page Jeez. of the New York Post with his wife, Elon Nordgren. Elon's holding a golf club, and it says right above Tiger and Elon, he's a cheetah. Which I thought was one of the greatest <laughs> all-time headlines oh I've ever seen. Hey, Zubin. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable headline stuff. I had another one. One day, I'm in the locker room, and Wayne Corbett's sitting next. Our lockers were literally next to each other. And I'm standing up, and they write, John Keyshawn gives Corbett cold shoulder. I, I, There's nothing to do. I'm just searching. standing there getting changed. The hell? Searching, Key. Constantly searching. So it leads to the latest headline in Philly. Back page, sports page, Philadelphia Daily News Today. A picture of Doug Peterson standing there with the words dead meat. But meat is M-E-E-T because he's scheduled to meet with ownership and the front office <laughs> to determine his future. Proper attribution. It is with a question mark because we don't know definitively what's going on. There always has to be a question. Key, what's going on here with Doug Peterson? I understand, obviously, everything going on with the Washington football team, the play at the end on Sunday night. But we heard a week ago he was going to come back, and now not so sure. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they part ways. Um, it, it, you think about it, last game was almost two weeks ago. Now to finally kind of sort of be meeting again with the owner after the owners thought about it and talked to people, probably certain advisors. I wouldn't be shocked if they said to themselves, you know what, it just didn't work out. We love you, though, Doug. Thank you. Goodbye. 
and the door will be opened up for the New York Jets to make a run at Doug Peterson, putting him on that list. I wouldn't be surprised, though. I really wouldn't. Keith, why, why is everybody so quick to have the Jets run through the door for Doug Peterson? Like, well, I, I, well, because it, of the I, I relationship just, with Joe Douglas. Remember, I, remember I, uh, Jay Will, Joe Douglas was in Philly. I know, I know. I, w- I was going to get there, but I was going to say, here's my only thing. With the way he handled the locker room, when you lose the locker room like that, do you want to bring that kind of mentality, especially with the way he handled the media and to some of the players, do you want to bring that directly to New York City? If that's the way things were handled in Philadelphia, now you're going to times that times five to New York City with the Jets, and you're going to have to deal with those kind of same learning curves, those same, you're going to have to take your licks here and there. Do you want to incite that same kind of, Umph every single time you go through somebody questioning your decision making? Because you know when you come to New York, you played here. You know how they're going to be 24-7. They're going to be relentless. So uh, that type of mentality or that type of thinking, I know potentially you can say, hey, if you're Joe Douglas, we're going to try to change things up. But that's really what I would just caution the Jets for quickly running through that door just to get Doug Peterson seeing the way he's handled the last couple of years in Philly. But do we know that he's alienated the locker room? Yes, maybe one or two, three players don't like his approach. But as a whole, do we know that that's the case? And I, I, would, I wouldn't be so quick to say, well, he's a, a, a coach who's alienated the locker room. I, I don't know that. All I know is that he will become a viable candidate. The dude did just win a Super Bowl. He has been in the playoffs multiple times. I mean, he's not a fraud. Right? I didn't say he was I mean, a fraud. No, no, yeah, I didn't I, say he was a fraud. I, I know you didn't use those words, Jay. I'm just saying he's not a fraud of a coach where – that, that Super Bowl trophy does mean something. And so when you look at it, the relationship that he potentially could have with Joe Douglas, um, look, here, here's even, well, I guess you can look at it a lot of different ways. May, maybe for all we know, the relationship with Carson Wentz isn't as volatile as we may think. And maybe they just realize as an organization Carson Wentz isn't the guy, but neither is Doug Peterson that we meet to, we may need to move on from both of them. And when an owner two weeks later still trying to meet with you, we should be meeting about the upcoming season, not about my potential future. And, Key, we should mention, speaking of me, take me inside here. Uh, the Jets, according to Adam Schefter, are looking at a couple of guys, one guy that you know very well. One is Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator of the Titans. You may have seen him uh, yesterday. He's 38 years old. He took over for Matt LaFleur after LaFleur had that job left for Green Bay. Obviously, he's done a great job with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. The other is the former Jet Aaron Glenn, who spent eight years with the team, now on the staff in New Orleans. Any insight on Glenn? Well, I think it's an opportunity for Aaron to get in front of Joe Douglas and ownership group for a real interview, not a token interview. And the reason it's not a token interview, in my opinion, is because they've already cracked the minority code with Marvin Lewis and Eric Bieniemy, So they don't have to worry about that. This may be one of those situations where it's a Mike Tomlin, kind of like Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards was not a defensive coordinator. He spent the beginning of his career in the front office as a scout, then eventually became a defensive back coach and then became the New York Jets head coach. Had some mild success in New York, made some playoff games. So when you look at that, then you look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin was a Hold up, wait, let's interview Mike Tomlin before we actually give the job to who we think should have the job 
in Pittsburgh. They interview him at the last minute. They give him a job. He hasn't had a losing season since two play two Super Bowl appearances, one playoff win. So you never know what you might be getting with AG coming in as your head coach. He comes from a pretty good tree, played under Bill Parcells, been played under Sean Payton in Dallas with us, also coached under Sean Payton in New Orleans, helps uh helps uh Allen called the defensive plays on the defensive side, the defensive side for the New Orleans Saints. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if they went that right. I wouldn't scream and holler. You could easily say, well, he doesn't have head coaching experience. Well, it's a lot of damn coaches that don't have head coaching experience that turn out to do a hell of a job. You don't have to be a coordinator to be successful in the National Football League. We've seen it time in and time again. There's no doubt about that. Great point. We'll wait to see what the Jets do. We're still waiting for that first coaching hire. Right now, six jobs available, but if the Doug Peterson situation with that meeting doesn't go the right way, maybe it's seven. Or maybe one of them's filled by going from Philly to New York. Fascinating. We'll keep tabs on all of it. On the way, before we let you go, you can criticize Urban Meyer for a whole bunch of things, but not this. That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Breaking news, the Chargers have fired coach Anthony Lynn after four seasons. The Texans, the Falcons, and the Lions had all fired their coaches, and the Jets fired Adam Gase. The Jags dismissed coach Doug Marone. The current amount of head coaching vacancies is now six. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And one more time I want to mention, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike Greenberg, show Greeny on the way next year, top of the hour on many of these ESPN 
radio stations. He follows us every weekday morning. He'll take you inside the stories of the day as only he can have the newsmakers you'd expect and interact with you every single weekday. Today, the Hall of Famer, LaDainian Tomlinson, will be on the program from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. It's also on ESPN Plus and on the ESPN Plus tip of our streaming uh, streaming service. I want to mention that Stephen A's new show, Stephen A's World, will also be debuting there as well. So give that a look as well. Plenty of great stuff there on ESPN Plus. Plenty of great things are being said about Ryan Day. And Jay, I want to get your perspective on this because of your association with Ohio State, your family having gone there following the program closely. It wasn't a comment that was given a lot of attention, but after Urban Meyer coached in his final, we think, <laughs> college game, maybe huh. maybe the NFL to come. When he won the Rose Bowl against Washington, all of the attention was on whether he was really done, what does it feel like that he's done, turning around Ohio State after winning at Florida. Everything was about Urban that night. But Urban was very measured as usual and sat there at the podium that night. I remember I was uh, anchoring Sports Center that night just watching the press conference, and he said something that didn't garner a lot of attention, even though it really perked my ears up. He said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, you know, I wouldn't have walked away from this job. And remember, there was a lot of controversy surrounding his health and then some off-the-field decisions he had made with coaches. But he said, I wouldn't be walking away from this job if I didn't think Ryan Day could do it. Ryan Day is the only reason I'm really walking away. This guy has the goods. And it was a shocking statement considering what Meyer had done to build up the program, the recruiting, running away from the rest of the Big Ten They needed a telescope to see him. Think about this tonight, Jay. In his Ohio State tenure, Urban Meyer, in his entire tenure at Ohio State, went to two playoffs and won a title. Ryan Day is in his second full season coaching the Buckeyes. Tonight, if he wins, he matches Urban's entire run at Ohio State. Two playoff appearances and one title. He can do it in two years The year Urban got suspended, he did take over and coach three games. But for two full seasons, if we qualify this one as full, even though I think we all know Ohio State played six games, seven games, whatever it is, think about it. Urban's entire run, two playoffs, one title. Ryan Day in two years can match his mentor. How about that? Well, Zubin, even factor this into it, the fact that this this title, if it goes down tonight, has happened during a year in which there was COVID where the Big Ten decided not to play. Ryan Day was one of the few coaches that stood up and said that they wanted to play and constantly fought back. For us to fast forward X amount of months and to find them in the national championship game through a season in which you know, COVID is so existing and so relevant, it, it just speaks volumes about where he is and, and how he has his team locked in. And we haven't really heard Ryan's, Ryan Day's name around a lot of NFL franchises. We we drop it here and there, but it almost seems something like people don't talk about at all. If they win a national championship, and you're talking about Justin Fields, potentially his draft stock rising drastically to being a second quarterback taken, how do you not start to have Ryan Day's name at the head of some of these NFL vacancy spots that a guy like him who can take a franchise – and really build the right culture or sustain the culture, his name has to be involved in a lot of these conversations. Yeah, I, you know, he's only been a head coach for a couple of years on the college level. Uh, I'm sure his name has been bounced around, but when you've only done it for a few years, you haven't really, he hasn't really, you know, enjoyed that ride. Urban Meyer's been doing it forever. You know, uh, uh, some of these other guys, whether it was Pete Carroll or, 
or or um, uh, Nick Saban, they had done it for so long. So the NFL was another challenge, right? I think I think several more years, even even to the point where with Fitzgerald, you look at that situation and you say to yourself, he's been doing it at Northwestern for a while. Mm. Yeah, it was just like he, Matt Rule only coached the Baylor for what three seasons? No, but he was at Temple before. Remember? I, I understand. I understand. So I'm just saying though. Like, and he's been in. It's the about NFL when you're hot, before. though, right? No, but but at Ohio State though, you're probably gonna be hot for a while. It's not like this isn't. We're not dealing with a a Kansas State where you all of a sudden hot for two years, or West Virginia where you're hot for three years, and then all of a sudden it disappears. Ohio State is a factory. You yeah. know, if you can coach and recruit. You're gonna be successful, and I'm the guy. Oh, that trust brought- me, I'd much rather have him stay at Ohio State, Zubing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd much rather him stay there, Key. I'm not trying to rush him out the door by no means. I'm just saying, stock is gonna be really high if they're able to pull off this defeat tonight. There's no doubt. Here's the other thing I would mention. I'm the guy that brought up Ryan Day and how great he is. But to Key's point, there is something to be said for. He was very fortunate. He obviously had all the goods that Urban thought, but he is right now maintaining and sustaining. There's really still a question whether he could have built it the way Urban did. Urban built it and gave him the keys. Well, his- well, well here, here's what I would say, though, Zubin. Urban did build it, but let's not act like Trestle nope. wasn't building it prior to Urban. Lou Fickle took over that one year mm-hmm. before Urban, mm-hmm. and they kind of went like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those players that Urban won went undefeated with was Trestle recruits, and then Urban kind of sustained it. So it's kind of, like I said, if you can recruit and you can coach, you're going to be successful at Ohio State. It's a great point for those that don't know Jim Trestle, the former head coach. He was forced out. Luke Fickle, who's now Cincinnati's head coach and is on fire, had one six and 6-7 season. But as Key said, Urban came in undefeated first year, and it's been great since. By the way, fellas, here in our final minute, tonight it's the future and the present of the sport. You got 69-year-old Nick Saban and 41-year-old Ryan Day. Who knows how many more titles Saban will get. The energy still seems to be there, but 41-year-old Ryan Day seems to be on the cusp. In our final minute, prediction time. Who do you guys have tonight to win the seventh college football playoff? You know, I think I think Alabama, I think Alabama will win this football game. It'll be close. It'll be close. And and I just think that they got so much on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is solid enough. Ohio State doesn't have a, a slew of playmakers uh, on the offensive side. They have a couple. Um, so I, I I think it'll be Alabama. I need Trey Sermon to be a dominant running back like he's been since the Big Ten championship game. And the one question I've always had about Ohio State is their secondary. I go back to Michael Pence Jr. in that game against Indiana where he threw for 500 yards. If their secondary can be on point and allow them to actually rush guys like Mac Jones – I'm going with the Ohio State Buckeyes. But you knew that already, Zubin. You knew who I was going to pick. No Zubin, doubt about it. No sending doubt about you, it. Sending you a box of crest. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yes. I need travel size, Back too. in the tube. Travel ties, because I'm going from New York to Bristol. So I'll take it. Tonight, 7 Eastern, ESPN Radio, every play of the college football playoff. Greeny is next. We'll see you tomorrow.